Hey, I'm Jeff Lynch, and I'm one of the pastors here at Compassion Church in beautiful Danville, Virginia. We love it that you have found us here online. Here's this week's message. I am not Jeff Lynch. I'm a little bit shorter, and so uh, Jeff will be watching this because he always has his eyes on y'all. So I just need you to say, hey, Jeff, and hey, Wes. They're in Miami in a tropical storm, bless them, Lord. And so Jeff is the regional director uh, for our region, the East Region. And so Trevor Pounds is the pastor at Renew Church. And so Jeff takes this role very seriously. He wants to meet with every pastor. So he takes um, Wes along with him because I get to hang out with Mamaw. Hey, Mamaw. So uh, Wes and his fur little self got on the plane with Jeff, and there they are. Um, and Jeff will be preaching two services. So when when he called me this morning he said I'm jealous I said I know you are it's okay and he said you tell everybody I love them I said well I'll think about it so he loves y'all very much um, I get to do this because this guy's on my team and maybe you didn't see it on Facebook but today is George Frazier's birthday somebody should say hey and I don't know if you saw on um, my live video uh, what happened the other day. Um, I pulled up in front of the um, church building, and I heard somebody say, excuse me, ma'am. And I thought, if you knew how bad I have to pee, you'd, you would not say, excuse me, ma'am. And I stopped, and I turned around, and the most beautiful face I've ever seen um, said, my name is Abby, and I live across the street. And I said, girl, you live across the street? And she said, yeah. And I said, I haven't seen you in church. She said, I watch online. Um, so I put a big shout out to our online family. The things that you do are so, so important. Thank you so much for everything. People are watching you. You are reaching people all over the world. But praise God, you're reaching Abby across the street. And so Abby handed me her offering for the week, and um, I knew what to do with it. And I put on the envelope from beautiful Abby across the street, and I put a circle, I mean a heart on it. So um, just pray for my Abby that she'll uh, come through the door. But if she doesn't, thank God she's watching on, online. So um, you don't realize how many people are watching you and seeing what you do. The last thing, we are part of a network of churches, and Jeff called me very burdened and said that um, we have a church in Haiti. I don't know if you knew that. There's a church in Haiti. The pastor's name is Jeff. Um, Jeff is a very cool guy, and he loves the people of Haiti. He is from Haiti. His family is from Haiti, and there was a 7.2 earthquake. His church was the epicenter of that earthquake. I know Jeff said that it, um, Jeff's son has broken his leg. They're trying to get out. They're trying to do all that they can to minister to the community and at the same time figure out what in the world to do with that church and, and how to even begin to minister to their own people. So I'm going to ask if we could just go to Jesus in prayer um, for the service and for Jeff uh, in Haiti and all those people. Lord, I my heart is burdened for compassion people of Haiti, for all people of Haiti, and for a church and a pastor named Jeff. I've met him, Jesus, and he loves you. Oh, he has a fire to get your word out to people, Lord. We just ask that you supernaturally do what only you can do in that community, in that uh, vicinity. God, raise them up. Raise them up, Jesus, so that they can be your hands and feet. Be with his son, with the broken leg. Be with all those that are injured, Lord. Oh, bring restoration, bring healing 
the only way that you can. We ask all of these things in the precious name of Jesus. Now, God, we ask that you be with us during this time of worship. I'm about to jump out of my skin. I know that you and I have spent time together, and I know what you told me, Lord. So if I can deliver it the way you said it, Jesus, oh, Lord, I just know that uh, it's going to affect some people exactly the way you affected me this week. So, Lord, I thank you in advance for what you're going to do. What a powerful time of worship with the band. My goodness, Lord, it was just um, tangible. I could feel it. Thank you, Jesus, for how you and the Holy Spirit just set up things so beautifully. It's in the sweet name of Jesus that I pray. Amen. So here we are in this uh, bench warmer series. Jeff had the nerve to give me a, a mic, bless his heart. And uh, so here I am, and I have studied, y'all, and I have prayed, and I have wanted so badly to get up here. Um, there's a fire for this uh, sermon series. Um, thank you, Lord. Uh, but one more thing before we get started. Rochelle, stand up. Rochelle graduated from our Hope Center. Oh, it's also your birthday. Okay, you're just trying to get all the attention. Lord, we got a, a, a graduate from the Hope Center. Thank you. There were four that night. I love you, too. There were four that night. Praise God, right, Penny? So I just saw her. Anyway, uh, the first, uh, if you have a bulletin, the first point is, are you coachable? Are you coachable? Let me set this up for you. I always wondered about this parable in the Bible. It always makes me mad when Jesus leaves me hanging. And he doesn't tell me, like Paul Harvey, the rest of the story. And so this rich man comes to Jesus and he says, listen, I do everything I'm supposed to do. I'm good. I am good. And now I just need you to tell me, what do I need to do to do this life with you? Just tell me, whatever it is, I'll do it. And Jesus says, <laughs> Jesus answered, if you want to be perfect, Go sell your possessions and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then you come and you follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth. It always angers me that I don't know what he did. Did he go away and think about it and come back? Did he go away and decide it wasn't worth it? When I thought about this this week, I kind of put Jesus in the spot of a coach. You know, you want so bad to be on the team. You want so badly to be part of that whole culture. You want so badly to be a part of, of a circle, a, a body of, of people that are doing the same thing. And so you walk up to the coach and you say, I'm ready. Put me in, coach. Put me in. And he gives you the, the schedule of practices. And he gives you the schedule of fundraisers that you'll have to do and he gives you the schedule of game days and you say well, I don't really want to play that bad I wonder what is going on in this story I can tell you a story about my child I have a beautiful beautiful girl named Alexandra she was my firstborn I don't even know how the kid lived I don't know nothing about babies absolutely nothing how she lived the first month of her life is beyond me. The child came out. I was like, what is that? What am I supposed to do with it? My mama came in, put the diaper on backwards. I thought, we are just batting a 1,000 here. 
but I loved her, and I would have done anything for her. Uh, but praise God, she is still here. As she grew, as she grew, you mamas know, you think, I, you, that's just like your daddy. Or that's just like, that's just like, that's like. And she grew tall, and she was powerful, and she was fast. And that joker loved being around people. And I thought, you know, sometimes, mamas, if we're serious, we uh, live through our children. And I always wanted to play volleyball, but I'm 5'6", can't jump, don't really like to run. I just wanted to be part of the team. They invited me not to try out. That's fine. But my five foot nine and a half, very strong, very powerful daughter grew. And as she grew, I thought, I know what you got in you. I've known you ever since before you got here, girl. I have prayed over you. I know the strengths and I know the weaknesses that you have. And I'm going to sneak attack you. So I said, Allie, let, let, let's just take a ride. And she was like, uh-uh, no, no. What's you up to, Mama? Because she, she might know me too. She had zero desire to play volleyball. She didn't know what she didn't know. I said, get your little nair tail in the car. Here we go. And I drove her to Chatham High School. She was going into her eighth grade school year. And I said, have a great day. And I pushed her out of the car. And if you know Allie, I turned to stone with the look that she gave me as I waved. Do you know that that joker fell in love with the game of volleyball? Do you know that by the end of that week, she came home with a volleyball that the team had all signed? She had won the best serve of the week. Oh, my God, could that girl serve a volleyball? Fast forward to that summer when she just happened to find out by the newspaper that I had circled and put under her pillow that Tunstall was having tryouts for volleyball. So she comes in and says, okay, Mom, let's go. And I said, yes, I will. And we got the sports physical, and I took her every day. And yes, I will work through my lunch so I can pick you up. Yes, I will. And she made the team. You talking about going crazy. I took that kid. I invited, we were at another church then, and I invited every member of the youth group. You ask them, they'll tell you. We went to the Chinese buffet. That girl ate her weight in food. I didn't care. I did not care. You eat all you want to. You are a Tunstall Trojan volleyball player. Come on, somebody. I was the most obnoxious mama. You know that one? That's me. That's me. The one you're like, not even in the building, and you're like, yep, Allie served. That's Jackie. That's Jackie. I stared down the team, the other team, when they came in the gym. Oh, yes, I did. Oh, yes, I did. I was horrible. I was so bad that Allie and Joe and Cameron would not even acknowledge me at those games. <laughs> would not. They would sit on the opposing side. They would stay in the car. It was horrible. But that was my girl, and I knew the power that she had. So when I get a call her eighth grade year, and her coach tells me, you probably need to meet us at the ER. What? My daughter, in her number four red jersey, had fallen and broken her shoulder. Oh, my goodness. And so I met him at the ER, 
And here comes my girl. And the minute she saw me, she started crying. And Coach Oren said, you haven't cried the whole time. And she said, yeah, but that's my mom. And so we sit there, and the doctor comes in and cuts her favorite shirt. Oh, she was mad. And he says, it's broken. And you're probably out for the rest of the season. <sighs> I don't know who was more upset, Allie or me. But the, the surgery was scheduled for a week, a week you hear me, a week, it was the worst week of my life. That child was evil. She was mean. I said to the doctor, what, what can you give her? You give her whatever you need to give her. And he said, well, she needs to take this pill to do this. Give her two. Give her two. And this pill is supposed to make her go to sleep. That chap did not close her eyes the entire week. I thought about taking them. I thought about taking them myself. She slept on the couch, and I slept right there beside her, and I prayed, Lord, just knock her out. Just knock her out. Just make the pill work, Lord. If I combine it with a Benadryl, will that work? Nothing worked. The kid was evil. So she has surgery. We come home. My daughter says to me, Mama, I got to go to Tunstall tonight. And I said, What? She had this big old thing that she had to walk around with. And I said, oh, no, ma'am. Oh, no. And she said, my team needs me. I'm not playing. But it's my turn to sweep the floor. You see, each girl had something that they were supposed to do before the game. And to be part of that team, her job was to sweep the floor before the game. And I said, Allie. Someone else can sweep the floor. And her response to me was, well, then they have to do their job and my job too. And I'm going to sweep the floor. Oh, the lessons that I learned about being part of a team from my alley. She was there at every practice. She was there at every game. The ones away and the ones that were home. She swept the floor. She helped put up the net. She helped put the jerseys in the washing machine, and she dried them. She made those girls laugh when they came in. She was in every huddle encouraging them, and she couldn't even play. What are you still doing on the bench? The girls that she played volleyball with were the very ones that were in the waiting room when she had her children. They were her bridesmaids when she got married. They're the very ones that she reaches out to today. What are you doing still on the bench? He knew before you were born the strengths that you have. He knew every ability that you would have. He knew every quality that would reach the lost. He knew everything that he built in you was everything to save somebody else, and yet you refused to do it. He knew something about you, and he positioned you in just the right place at just the right time to play your position on the team and you don't do it. Why are you still on the bench? The second, are you practicing? <laughs> Let's go back to the scriptures on this one. But this time we're in Revelation and don't panic. It's going to be all right. 
Revelation 2, 4 through 5, yet I have this against you. Oh, Lord. You have forsaken the love you had at first. Consider how far you have fallen. Repent and do the things that you did at first. Now, I don't know about you, but when I sign up for something, I sign up, y'all. I sign up. Yes, I will. Yes, I will. And now i got to have the shirt because I need everybody to know that I signed up. Don't make me get out my Planet Fitness shirt. Yes, I do. Ain't worn the shirt one time, but I got it because I signed up. Yes, I did. And I got to get the right shoes, and I got to get the right everything. Got to get my little headband. Got mm-hmm, to play the part. I got you. I got you. And I am there for about a week. I will be at everything you ask. Yes, I will walk backwards. I will do anything. Yes, yes, I will until I'm not. February 9th of this year, I said, okay, something got to give. None of my pants fit. I refuse. I rebuke that W on the end of my number. I'm not going to the big girl section. I will not, although I should have been, and that's not attractive when you're not. I was sitting at links. I had zero desire to do any kind of weightlifting, no, because Jeff Lynch, your pastor, told me, you have a great build. You would bulk up real quick if you started lifting weights. What? I'm not trying to lift a Volkswagen, Jeff. I'm not trying to have a neck, you know. I'm, I'm trying to get away from the extensions on my necklaces. Thank you, Lord. And there she sat in the middle of links with her skinny little self. And Jesus was like, "What? I mean, lightning, what else do you want? And I thought, I don't. I have zero desire to do the things that she does. Zero. Absolutely no desire. And... I found myself, you've heard the story, walking across links, talking about some, can I, can we meet? I didn't mean not nothing I said to her that day. I'm so excited to train with you. So much so that the second time we met and Sarah had the nerve to come in, I was like, Sarah, 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 come here. Don't you want to train too? Don't you want to get in on this? And she was like, yes, I do. And then we pulled in five other people and said, you'll love it. You will hate every minute of it. It is horrible. It is awful. And I said, I'm not doing this. And I looked for the exits. And I'm not kidding you. Every morning when the alarm went off at 4 o'clock, I was like, why? Why did I sign up for this? See, we started twice, you know, once in, um, twice a week in the afternoon. And that was okay. Okay. And I got to wear my new clothes, my cute shoes, my new shoes from the brick. I got to, it was really cool. But when you sweat like a man and you smell like a moose and you can't even put your mascara on to try to be cute, what? and then you get on the scale and you're like, wow, two pounds. Yes. And then she says, hey, Jack, why don't you just meet me here on Mondays at 5 o'clock in the morning? <laughs> okay, I'll do that. And I think, why did I say that? I don't want to. I didn't even know that there was a 5 o'clock in the morning. Did you? So now I'm doing 5 o'clock in the morning on Mondays, 
Tuesdays and Thursdays at 4.30. I would get off the mat from her and go do Zumba with Jenny on Tuesdays for another hour. What? Isn't that what happens? We get so excited, and we, we add on more things, and we add on more things, and we add on more things. And pretty soon, I was going Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday mornings at 5, Tuesdays and Thursdays at 4.30. To, uh, then Tuesdays from 6 to 7, I was doing Zumba. And finally, I was like, I'm done. I'm tired. This is not fun anymore. I can't walk up the steps. I can't, I can't blow dry my hair. Nothing is working. I'm done with this. And I'm so thankful for my trainer, Christy. <sighs> she looked at me because she knew I was getting mad at the other girls in my herd because they were like, God, I don't even know what I'm doing. I'm just doing everything you're doing. I've lost 752 pounds. <laughs> and I thought, What? I don't know what happened. I just had to go buy new pants. They all just fell off. I got a negative two in the petite junior section. What? I'm so thankful that my trainer loves me and we have this relationship because she called me out. And she said, all right, mad woman, come here. Sarah talking about drinking the Dan River every day. What are you drinking? Dr. Pepper? It's what I've always drank. How's that working for you? Real good. Real good. And what are you eating? Because Kristen Mills and Angela eat the stuff that comes out of the ground. I love beets, and I love all these kale smoothies. I'm like, what? What are you eating for breakfast, Jackie? I go to Lynx, and I get a bagel, and it's got all this stuff on it. I get that uh, coffee, that iced latte. It is so good. Then I tear up the taco salad for lunch. I mean, you got to eat. We would try to talk to her at like 9 o'clock at night. No response at all. No response at all. So she says to me, what time do you go to bed, Jackie? 12 or 1 o'clock like I always have. And you're getting up at four. Yeah, what's it to you? You are angry. You are tired. You're not giving yourself any nutrition. You're not fueling yourself. And you're mad at the people that are. Yeah, and? <laughs> are you sticking to your Weight Watcher plan? No, I hate that app. It tells me I go over every day. <laughs> it's defective. And I was so angry at my girls and my herd because they were just losing all these inches and I just feel so good about myself. But my trainer loved me enough to sit me down and say, nothing in your life has changed. You can't testify to the hard work you're putting in because nothing in your life has changed. You haven't given up one thing from your old life. How's that working for you? Get mad at people doing the thing that I asked them to do. I gave them a game book. I gave them a game plan, and they're doing it. You're not following any of it, and you wonder why they're getting results. Isn't that just like when you come into a relationship with Jesus? Man, you come back from Emmaus, you get saved at the altar, you know that you know that you know that the king and the lion of Judah has looked you dead in the face and said, 
I've been waiting for you. I've given you everything. All you got to do is follow me. All you got to do. And yet we get up from where, we get, where he found us and we go back and nothing has changed. We still listen to the same music that we listened to before. We're still drinking. We're still drugging. We still don't like people. We don't care about people. Our whole world revolves around ourselves. Lord knows we're not going to read the Bible. We don't understand any of it. We sure don't want to serve. I'm telling you right now, the closer that you get to Jesus, <laughs> he starts plucking things out of your life. All of a sudden, that music probably is not what I should be listening to. All of a sudden, I'm not trying to let people see me drink, and I sure ain't going to put it on Facebook. I do not want to be a stumbling block for anybody. I remember the day that he picked me up in my mess. We fall out of love with Jesus quicker than we ever fall in. Now, don't think I'm not preaching to the choir. Wes and I got an opportunity to go to Montana. We are champions in the network. Woohoo! What that means is extra work, okay? And I love it. So we went to Montana with the best of the best people doing everything they can to make their department the best that it can be. And it was contagious, y'all. You knew that those people get up and they read their Bibles. I mean, the scriptures just pour out of them. If something needed to be done, nobody had to ask anybody to empty the trash. Nobody had to ask anybody to go warm up the van. Nobody had to go ask people to make sure that their, their area was swept and kept. Nobody had to ask anybody. You know why? Because those people in Montana knew they were called to be servants. So one, that Sunday morning when I wasn't with you and Wes wasn't with you, we were on top of a mountain in Montana. Zero cell service. If you tried to get me that week, you know it was terrible. It was terrible. Adam Touchstone, who's the pastor of Axton Church, Axton Compassion Church, was our leader. He's over the champions. And he said at 7 o'clock in the morning, guys, it's Sunday morning, and nobody can get to you. Your phones don't work. So nobody's going to call you today and tell you that everybody that you scheduled decided to have a day off, decided they needed a break, decided they weren't coming. Because, you know, that happens every Sunday. You know, we think we have everything covered, and we know the phone calls are going to start coming in. Uh, I just, you know, I'm not going to be there. I need a break. I need to step back. You know none of that is coming your way. So we're going to pray and we're going to sing for an hour. Now, if you know me and Wes, you should never put us in the same room at the same time because across the room was Wes, and I went, we're going to pray and sing for an hour. And Wes was like, what? I'm telling you. <laughs> That was the most powerful worship I have ever been a part of. There were no distractions. I was with like-minded people. There were people that really were searching for Jesus. An hour went by quicker than I could even think. 
And we were so filled up, so filled up, and we were ready to go. And we got done with our session, and we sat back down, and it was just like the Spirit of God was sitting beside every one of us. And I don't ever talk like that, but I experienced it. And there was an older gentleman in the room, Pastor Jimmy, and Adam was getting ready to get into the agenda of the day, and Pastor Jimmy said, wait a minute, I just really feel the need to tell you something. All of you that are so excited about this time that you've had with Jesus and you're just in awe of him and you just can't believe how you feel right now, you're ready to go conquer the world, aren't you? And we were all like, oh, my goodness. He said, this should not be unusual for you. By no means should this be an out-of-the-ordinary experience for you. You are a follower of the risen Lord. If you are seeking after him, if you are practicing what you preach, if you are practicing the very values and the instructions and the mechanics of a disciple of Jesus, why are you so in awe of this time with him? Are you practicing? Are you reading the Bible? Are you reading the playbook that the coach gave you? Are you listening to the songs that tell you that you're beautiful and that he made you exactly the way you are? He tells you exactly your position on the team. But I'd rather listen to a cry in my beer country song or I'd rather be really mad at the rap song I'm hearing instead of being filled up by God that wants to talk to me every second of every day. Are you serving? Are you serving on a team with people that have like minds like you and you're getting out there because you want everybody that comes across you to know that you know that they know that you've been in the presence of Jesus? You're not going to get that unless you practice. You're not going to get that unless you seek it intentionally. You're not going to get it doing everything the way you've always done it. Because if you could do it on your own, there's no reason for Jesus. My God, are you practicing? Are you practicing? Lord have mercy. We forget the reason we signed up in the first place. We forget we fell head head over heels in love with this Jesus. We forget that he came just in the nick of time. And saved us. We forget the feeling we had when he accepted us. When nobody else would. We forget that there was a time when he was the very center of our lives. We couldn't wait to get up to see what he had to say to us that day. We forget that there are folks out there that don't know what we know. And we forget that if we don't get out there, if we don't continue to practice, they're going to die. And they're going to go to hell. And I'm not going to be responsible for that. We forget real quick that it's not all about us and our pleasure and our needing a break and our we need to take some time off. And everything about thank you God for being available when I was face first on the bathroom floor saying again, I'm never going to do this. 
we forget, we give up, we give out. We don't understand why other people are getting it. Oh, that makes us so mad. Why is she serving every Sunday? Is she too good? I've said it. You've said it. God, they want me to serve every Sunday. Why can't somebody else do it? Maybe that's because God has equipped you. And those kids have asked for you. And the worship team has asked for you to sing. (sighs) Y'all. How can we even testify to what he's done in our life if how we live our life doesn't line up with what we say, with what we've experienced? Number three, are you a team player? Exodus 17, 11 through 13. As long as Moses held up his hands, the Israelites were winning. But whenever he lowered his hands, the Amekalites, Amalekites, were winning. We'll call them teapots. When Moses' hands grew tired, they took a stone and they put it under him and he sat on it. Aaron and Hur held his hands up, one on one side, one on the other, so that if his hands remained steady till sunset. So Joshua overcame the army with a sword. What does that mean to you? What does that have to do with you? What does that have to do with anything I'm talking about? (laughs) Did y'all ever watch the Golden Girls when Sophia would say, picture it? Sicily, 1912. I need you to picture it. My boy Joe, my middle boy Joe, third grade, Twin Springs Elementary. You're in that gymnasium. You know that smell. Smell it. Oh, it's awful. Basketball season. Basketball season. That boy was going to try out for basketball. He was going to try out for basketball. Why was he going to try out for basketball? Because he came in this world at 11 pounds, 2 ounces, and 2 feet tall. You're going to do something. When I tell you that Joe Seamster loves basketball, I am not exaggerating when I tell you he slept with his basketball. He dribbled his basketball all through our house. At any given time, you could find Joe connected to a basketball. He was in our backyard playing basketball. He was doing all kinds of tricks. I'll tell you this. He perfected his jump shot. He perfected his layup. He perfected his free throw. He perfected the three-point. And then when that wasn't hard, he dragged the trampoline down from on top of the hill, and he perfected the dunk. The dunk. He perfected the game of horse with his sister, Allie, and his younger brother, Cameron. Everything was basketball. I can tell you every word to Space Jam. Everything was basketball, 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 basketball. So he was ready for tryouts in third grade. Let me just tell you about Jackie Lynch. Here we go again. If you think I was obnoxious at Allie's games, I was just as obnoxious at Joe's games. Yes, that is my boy. That's my boy right there. He was always taller than everybody else, always. Always looked like a fifth grader in third grade, always. That's my boy. And people would say, we need to see his birth certificate. Well, honey, look at it. Look at it. It says right there, Mama, Jackie Seamster was my name at that time. That's me. That's my boy. Watch what he can do. Don't you love being a mama? There was a, so they had tryouts. Joe gets on the team, and I'm like, of course. Of course he did. There's a kid on the team. You can tell he didn't play basketball much. And I wondered, 
how did that kid get on Joe's team? <laughs> Y'all are going to hate my guts after I tell you this story, but here we go. Joe is a team player. I wanted my son to be Michael Jordan of third grade. I wanted my son to come down the lane, tongue hanging out, go up in the air, slam that basketball, and I was going to do the wave all by myself. God made my Joe a team player. Every time he would get into the game, the coach would put this kid in the game too, and Kelsey, my eyes would go. And every time, Joe would pass the ball to this kid. Every time. And I would say, he didn't even catch it. Oh, my God, he didn't even catch it. I also had to make sure his mama was nowhere around because that would be awful because I'm very loud. And I would say, didn't even catch it. And I would give Joe a look like, shoot the ball, Joe. Shoot the ball, Joe. And every time, he would pass it to this kid. And we would get in the car after these games, Mama's my witness, and I would say to Joe, with cheese, you know, the Cheeto dust on his fingers, he was eating his snack, and I would say in the rearview mirror, what are you doing? I'm eating my Cheetos. And I said, no. I told you not to pass the ball to that kid. I told you, do the thing that you're doing in the backyard, you know, where you, you just nail it. Just do that, Joe. I need you to do that. And my Joe would just smile this crooked little grin with his little chiclet teeth and just laugh at me. And I would say, it's not funny. I'm telling you, the next game, if you pass it to that kid, you're going to be grounded. And he was like, okay. The next game, passes it to the kid, bounces off the kid's shoe, and I was like, I told you not to do that. The next game, he passes the ball to the kid, praise God. The kid is looking. The kid catches it. And I was like, well, hallelujah. Does the kid know what to do with it now? Of course he doesn't. Of course he doesn't. Progress into the season. Joe continuously passes the ball to this kid. Continuously, my, my veins are sticking out of my neck. And I say, stop it at the end of the season. Are you ready for this? My Joe never listened to me, not one time. At the end of the season, I am now anticipating that Joe's going to pass the ball to this kid. He's caught it. Now he knows how to dribble it. Now he's heading toward the basket. Why am I on my feet when the kid, Joe, tosses the ball to the kid, the kid catches it, the kid starts moving, he's dribbling it. Oh, my goodness, he's going down the lane. Joe's blocking everybody. His teammates are on their feet. The kid goes up and scores. Everybody in the whole gymnasium goes wild. It is incredible. I find myself doing cartwheels and a split right there. For this kid that I didn't even want Joe to pass the basketball to, Joe and him are dapping it up. What just happened? The sports banquet, this kid's mama comes up to me, and I think, okay, Jesus, I'm going to need you right here. She probably heard what I said about her boy. and I'm going to be in kids' ministry on Sunday. And and she walks up to me and says, my child does not have a father. 
my child doesn't have anybody to play basketball with. And I wanted him to be on this team because I wanted him to experience what it was like to have somebody believe in him. And your boy believed in my kid. And if it wasn't for your son, nobody would have ever have passed him the ball. Thank you for raising such a fine boy. And I said, what? And there's my little Cheeto-eating, chiclet-teeth little boy looking at me. And he said, I told you. I told you. I told you he could do it. All he needed was somebody to pass him the ball. And I slithered to my car. And I got into my car and I said, I'm so sorry. Joe, I'm so sorry. I have been mean and selfish and hateful. But you have taught me about teamwork and respect and believing in people. And boy, have you shown me what it means to do life with people, to trust people, to raise them up. I am so sorry. The last point. Are you on the injured reserve? I did not want this point on this sermon at all. Do you hear what I'm telling you? I wanted to wind up that sermon on me and Joe and be like, yes, you just got saved. (laughs) And Jesus was like, we're not done here. Jackie, are you on the injured reserve list? Proverbs 19.11, a person's wisdom yields patience. It is to one's glory to overlook an offense. (laughs) I am stepping on my own toes with this one. I am the first one to say, what did you say? Was that about me? See ya. I'm the first one to say, I'm going to go back here in this kid's, this kid's department, let somebody say one thing to me. I'm leaving like I'm doing somebody a favor. We forget that people are going through some stuff. We forget the why behind the what. God bless you. We take ourselves out of the game far too quickly because the world revolves around us. Oh, my Lord. You get miserable, you get mean, and you hate the people that stay in there. 
How can you possibly serve with her? You know good and well what she said. She said the one thing that you, she knew was going to get you, she knew it the minute she came out of it came out of her mouth, and you're still friends with her. You still serve with her. You still love her. Why? How could you? Because the same God that picks me up every day, the same God that believes in me every day, the same God that I confess to every day and say, I'm sorry I said it. I'm sorry I did it. I'm sorry I didn't do it. I'm sorry I didn't say it. Talks to her just as much as he talks to me. How dare I not? How dare I not? The older I get, <laughs> the more I don't care what you say about me. Say it all you want to. Back to Montana. Josh Hanna was talking to us about offense. You know, church people are some prickly folks. Exhibit A. They get offended, and they get on Facebook, and they'll just rail you. Oh, Lord, don't, don't, don't join that connection team. You've got to put up with Jackie. And Josh Hanna, who I respect a lot, said, dead people should never be offended. And I was like, what? I can't see that on a T-shirt or a bumper sticker. You know, compassion, we all about putting something on a coffee mug. Or, and I guess he could see my face. I was like, what? And he said, every day, if you're a disciple of Jesus, you wake up and you make a choice. Are you going to live for him? Are you going to die to the world, die to yourself, and live for him? If that's the case, nothing should offend you. Nothing. I'm just over here loving the Lord, doing what he told me to do. I'm praying for you. I'm sorry, but I, I'm still going to do what he told me to do. I'm still going still to do the thing that he built inside of me. I'm still going to praise him, and I appreciate you inviting me to the party, but I see things are different now, and I I'm sorry that I keep telling you about this devotion that I'm doing, but I'm telling you it's just, it's just lighting me up, and I don't mean to offend you. And I'm sorry I keep inviting you for coffee, but I just feel like I've got something that I need to share with you, and it, and it just he won't let me go until I, until I tell you that Jesus loves you. I'm sorry if that offends you, but I just got to. All too often, and I'm talking to myself too, guys, all too often, we pick the, the other route. I know what you said, Lord, and, and I appreciate it. And I'm going to put you over here till that part where I need you again. But I'm going to go on over here. And I'm going to keep doing all the things that got me in trouble in the first place. And I will keep my friend group, and they really don't care whether I go to church or not. So, And I'm going to keep listening to the same stuff. And, I, you know, that Bible still doesn't make any sense to me. And I know I'm supposed to go to my small group, but God, every Tuesday, well, I mean, what are we doing? Are you going to die to yourself? 
It's a choice every day. He gives us a playbook. He's equipped you to do the very thing that he called you to do. He gives you a herd. He gives you a team that surrounds you of like-minded people that want to do the very same things that you're doing. They want to pray for you. They want to uplift you. They're the ones in the waiting room waiting for your babies. They're the ones that you cry to when life gets so hard you don't even know what to do. Man, that's the life. And you get to serve. You see, I learned something from Joe playing basketball. I thought he was headed to the pros, and that was going to be his job. That was a job. What my Joe taught me, it's a joy. It's a joy to see other people doing the very thing that sets your heart on fire. Oh, yes, I will. I'll pass you that ball every time. I'll serve with you every time. I'll pray with you every time. I'll meet you at church and you can sit with me every time. I'll be at small group every time. I will lead devotions every time. Every time I call you to sing, my answer is going to be yes. Every time you ask me to hold the sign, 30 30 minutes, yes, 30 minutes, that's 30 minutes you give to Jesus on a Sunday, on a sidewalk, yes, I will, yes, I will. All I'm asking you to do is love a teenager that doesn't have anything at home. Yes, I will. All I'm asking you to do is tell a little kid who's not getting it anywhere else that you are loved and you are valuable and you are part of the kingdom of God. You are an heir, and I don't care what anybody else says. You are precious. Yes, I will. Yeah, I don't need a break from them. I don't need to take a step back. I don't need to do anything other than what God told me to do because I remember the day that I fell in love with everything he had already done for me. Oh, my God. Do you remember that time when you looked in his eyes and you knew that he loved you? You knew that he died for you? Like all the hymns have your name in it. All of the times that he was on that cross praying, your name was on his lips. You. When it becomes personal, how can you not say yes? Take a break from what? I am so thankful that Jesus wasn't on a break the day that I turned around and said, okay, I surrender, I give up. Church, why are you still on the bench? Please, God, why are you still on the bench? You are absolutely coachable. You absolutely can make it to the practices. You absolutely are a team player. I need you to get off the injured reserve list. I am sorry for whatever they said about you or to you. I am sorry about church hurt. I am sorry what your mama said. I am sorry about that guy that broke your... I'm sorry if I've ever said anything to you that hurt your feelings or offended you. I am sorry. Get back in the game. Because there's people out there that don't know what you take for granted. There's people out there that would love to be offended inside of a church building on a team when they're so precious about serving. They would love that. So we're going to close this up, and I just need to be sure Because I'm making a lot of assumptions. And I never do this. (laughs) I never do this. 
But today, could it be that today is the day that you decide, I want that. I pray that when Jesus told me to tell about Allie, and when Jesus told me to tell about Montana, and when Jesus told me to tell about Joe and that kid, I pray that somewhere that made sense to you. So with every, every head bowed and every eye closed, it's time for us to do some business with a Savior that outstretched his arms and prayed especially and specifically for you that day. He took everything that you were ever going to do. He's the God that saves. He's the God that doesn't walk away when everybody else does. He's the God that runs in your direction when everybody else hits the bricks. Maybe today is the day. And I don't ever want to take this for granted that we're all on the same team yet. But if today, today, you want to say to Jesus, Coach, put me in. Put me in. For the first time, I believe. For the first time, I see myself as part of this team. For the first time, I'm ready to take all the offenses that I ever thought were ever about me and unresolvable, and I'm ready to say I'm dead to all of it. Dead people don't get offended. Today, Jesus, I want to start walking with you. I want to start practicing with you. I want everything that you have for me. I want the playbook. I want the jersey. I want the shoes. I want the schedule. Put me in. If that's you, I need to know. Raise your hand. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Lord, for these people that have raised their hands, welcome to the team. Thank you, God. We've been waiting for you. You have a position on this team that only you can fulfill. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we just ask that um, this church surround those people, that they take their next step into everything that you have for them. Thank you, God. But then, you know, there are those of us that have been on the team for a while. Quite frankly, we're sick of the team. We forgot why we even signed up to begin with. We don't even know what our position is anymore. Nobody's called us and told us we missed a practice. Or they keep calling us. Can't somebody else be at the game? Can't somebody else do that? And then we remember Allie saying, it's my job to sweep. And if I don't show up, then somebody's got to do their job and my job, and I'm not having it. So I believe with everything in me that Coach Jesus is standing there saying, are you ready to come back to the team? Are you ready to come to practice? Are you ready to show other people your team spirit? Are you ready to get back to when we first fell in love with each other because I never left you, but I can't even find you anymore? If that's you, like it was me this week, would you be so bold as to raise your hand? Get off the bench. Raise your hand. Thank you, Lord. Get off the bench. 
Thank you, Jesus. Get off the bench. God, for those hands that have been raised, both the new team members and the ones that are coming back with a fire, thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. We have anxiously anticipated today. I couldn't wait to tell them what you told me. I couldn't wait to get up here and tell them what you told me. And then you sneak attacked me and said, Jackie, this is about you too. And I get it, Jesus. I understand. Thank you, Lord, for all of it. I can't wait to see the team. <laughs> it's a beautiful team. It's the one that you created just for a time such as this. Thank you, God. In the sweet name of Jesus, we pray for all of this and we count it done. Amen.